Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right. Welcome to Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor. I'm your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you are having an amazing day so far. Today, we have one awesome guest. He is the CEO of FranBridge Consulting. He is a force contributor on franchising. And he is the author of the franchise pass. So let's welcome John Austinson. How are you, you doing today, John? Hey, Victor, doing great. Excited to be with you. Uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, and I'd like to get started by asking you to please share your story. How did you get how did you get started on your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, you know, like so many others, I, I spent most of my career in the corporate world and did the ladder climb and had a good run, but um, you know, really had that itch to do something a little more entrepreneurial and, and honestly kind of stumbled into uh, what I'm doing now, which has worked out great. But um, I left the public company world and took on the leadership role at a private company, uh, Shelf Genie Franchise System, and had the opportunity to support all of our franchise owners across North America. And um, this really opened up my eyes to the world of what I now call the world of non-food franchising. And I just saw how franchising would be such a better path to business ownership uh, for a lot of folks that I was supporting day in, day out. So fast forward, I ended up partnering with the founder of Shelf Genie. We spun off. We've invested in franchises ourselves now as a franchisee. So I've sat on both sides of the table, franchise or franchisee. And, uh, you know, the, the franchises we've invested in, we've, uh, you know, we brought in other partners for, for additional investments. We've got good people running them for us and allows me to spend most of my time uh, working with um, you know, would-be entrepreneurs across North America, uh, those that are interested in exploring business ownership, either as a full-time opportunity or part-time. And um, you know, I leverage everything that I've learned along the way in helping them uh, get into business ownership. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I think like a lot of entrepreneurs I've, I've, I've interviewed over the last couple of years, it seems a lot of, like myself, came from the corporate world. And I think we all just got to try something different, which is what happened to you. Now, you mentioned that you've been on both sides. You've been a franchiser and a franchisee. So do you mind sharing your experiences to say, you know, talk about the differences being on one side versus the other? Yeah, you know, as a franchisor, um, you know, it, it was our job to support the franchisees. And, and we were uh, running the marketing for them. We were answering their phones, uh, you know, with our call centers, providing them with innovation, overseeing all the technology and the systems they were using. And, um, you know, it it allowed me to see a large swath of people that were running similar businesses and across a number of different markets. I really saw what made those at the top stand out for those in the middle of the pack and performance wise. And it really came down to the, and this sounds cliche, but those that followed the system, um, you know, there really was something to it and not trying to get too creative, but going out there executing as, as we kind of guided them, those were our top owners and, on the franchisee side, it's been fun. I mean, we're just having a good time. I think I prefer being on that side of the fence just because you know, we're running these small businesses. We're getting involved in the local community. You know, we, we've sponsored, you know, Little League baseball teams and gotten involved in the Chamber of Commerce. It just, you know, had a good time. We recently sponsored a NASCAR just for fun. We wrapped it with our branding. And, you know, for one of our uh, businesses, it's called, it's a driveway business, um, driveway repair. And um, I mean, we've just been growing that thing like a weed, creating jobs, you know, bringing, Others in that the guy that runs them for us is 27 years old. He was a CPA for a big four accounting firm and you know, he wanted to get out and build something. So we let him buy into the business. He's running it for us and, and doing great. Um, yeah, but it, I just take so much joy in the successes I've been able to see my clients have on the broker side 
know, these people that I've been able to help get into business ownership and seeing them come back and buy additional locations and coming back and buying additional businesses to complement their cur- uh, first ones. Uh, so anyway, that, that's really what gets me out of bed in the morning. Now that's really awesome. And uh, it's good to, you know, you've been able to see both sides and you, you decide which one you prefer more. And uh, I like that story of the 27-year-old CPA who's like running things for you guys now. And he wants to do something different. And I'm sure he's having a great time doing it. So I have a couple of follow-up questions regarding franchising now. So number one is, it just seems like it's one of the things that's really hot. So why do you think it's, it's become, it's been booming recently? Why it's so popular? And also you mentioned that you do non-food uh, franchises. I think most people, when they think of franchises, they think of McDonald's or Subway or you know, those type of franchises. So um, you might talk a little bit about non-food franchising, why you think it's so great to get into as well. Yeah, well, first of all, non-food franchising, I'll just hit on that real fast. You know, my background's not in food. And what I find is 95% of my clients want nothing to do with food. They would, you know, food's great. We all need food, but, uh, and 5% are passionate about it. But 95% agree with me that, you know, at the end of the day, there are easier ways to make money that may be less capital intensive on the front end, maybe a little less risky or or trend oriented. Um, And so, you know, they don't have inventory, maybe smaller teams. So it's all those things that uh, are the reasons why I go deep and focus on industries from home and property services to automotive, to health and wellness and fitness, to anything related to kids or the aging population or pets, all those things that are understandable businesses that people are willing to spend money on oftentimes regardless of the economy, oftentimes regardless of COVID or, uh, you know, they're somewhat Amazon resistant. So that's kind of my view of, of the world. Um, but no, franchising, as you mentioned, uh, Victor, has been very popular and, and it was prior to COVID, but I think it's even more so after COVID because a lot of people have taken the time to take a step back and think about the path they're on and say, maybe now's the time to scratch that itch, that entrepreneurial itch and step into business ownership. And so, you know, we go out there and, and really help them understand that franchising is much more than fast food. You know, there are all these other great opportunities, which I know we'll dig into. And, you know, one thing that's important to point out is franchising is not right for everyone. You know, there's some clients of mine that are just too entrepreneurial and I have to tell them you're not going to be able to live within the, within the boundaries. However, for the vast majority, I would say of would-be business owners, it is a better path. And that's because you've got a coach on the sidelines that franchisor supporting you. You've got a playbook, so you know the path to profitability day one. You're not trying to figure that out. You know, you've got other franchisees and other markets that are living the same thing day in, day out, and you're constantly exchanging best practices and learnings. You know, what's the best marketing vehicle? Or you know, have you tested hiring these type of backgrounds? You know, you're exchanging those. And then this is really interesting. Oftentimes, it goes overlooked, but you know, with with the business, you know, you're you're building a cash flow, you're building an exit value, you're also able to write you're able to write off expenses that you couldn't as a W two employee. So it's kind of that trifecta. And on the exit value, there was a study done recently by the Riker School of Business where they looked at two thousand businesses that had exited across a wider range of industries, both franchised and non franchised. What they found was those that were franchised traded at a multiple of one and a half times the non franchised in like-kind industries. So when you think about building an asset that you're going to have an exit value to one day, there's a lot of value within the franchise world. That's an interesting stat. So franchise trade at one half times the value of similar non-franchise organizations. So that's something to keep in mind. And, you know, when I think about franchise, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, a lot of people don't want to deal with food. And I mentioned McDonald's before. 
and you know, people can make money, but it's it's a huge investment. You got to I don't know spend like a million dollars, and it could take a while to make some money, and you're putting in a lot of time. But one of the advantages of a franchise, as I think you might have mentioned, is you have a system. You don't have to figure it out on your own. I think sometimes when you start your own business as an entrepreneur, it's a big learning curve. There's a there's a, a lot of people fail in the beginning because they don't know what they're doing. And I think one advantage of uh, having being involved in a franchise, you have that proven system, you have support. They tell you as long as you follow the system, you're very likely to succeed. If you don't follow the system, probably not. So it, it, I think it, it eliminates, I think, a good amount of the risk. Uh, because you know, entrepreneurs, you know, entrepreneurs, they they have a lot of risk. So uh, franchising hours, you have to put up the capital. But I think if you do the non-food, it seems like. And correct me wrong, it seems like the non-food franchise that approves seems to have less risk than the food franchise where you have to put up a lot of money. It seems to be a lot of risk. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the numbers don't lie. 92% of franchises are still in business after five years, whereas you know, under 50% of non-franchise businesses. So yeah, you can make it, but you're going to put in a lot more work. You know, there are trade-offs to everything, but um, you know, what I find is it, it definitely does de-risk it, not entirely, but it does. The ninety-two percent. It still comes down to having a good operator in the business, and uh, you know, it, for us, it's fun. I mean, there's just so many industries that people don't know contain franchises and opportunities, and and a lot of our clients, Victor, are former or, or current business owners. You know, they built a business either in franchising or outside of franchising. And now they're looking to expand that portfolio. Mm-hmm. Now, do a lot of like uh, regular independent businesses today? Um, do they do both considering running their business and doing a franchise well, or do they decide just to focus on the franchise because it's too much work? What has been your experience? Yeah. Uh, you know, quite a few clients of ours go with the portfolio strategy and that's what we've done. And I've had, you know, we had a client recently that had started three or four businesses and was still running them with this team, but he was interested in getting into roll off dumpsters and figured that, that, you know, we, our Avenue through franchising, there was a much better path. And I mean, he has been off to the races opening new markets. I've got another client. He's the, he's the largest franchisee of two men in a truck moving service. He, he's acquired additional markets, operates in 10 markets, over $30 million a year in revenue. And he and I've done a couple of deals together the past few years in other business segments that really don't complement that business, just totally diversified. But it's been able to create these pathways for young leaders in his organization to now go and run these other businesses in other cities. And he's providing some coaching on the sidelines and the equity funding. But by and large, you know, he's putting his trust in them and they're making them proud. And I'm, he's come back and bought additional locations on every deal that we've done within 12 months. Uh, that, that is really awesome. And, and I think we, we, we've alluded to it before, but I think I'm going to make people aware of it. It seems like a lot of the franchises, especially a lot of non-food franchises, seems they have a lot of big returns and um, you can be actively involved, but it seems that you can also be passively involved. Is that correct? Would you like to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I'd say half of our clients are looking to take on what we call an owner operator role where they're running the day-to-day operations. Uh, But there's a good half of our clients that are looking to keep their day jobs or or keep their current businesses, you know, running, you know, and serving at the helm. And we call those semi-absentee or semi-passive or or an executive model. And, you know, the key there is getting a good person to run the business. We call them a general manager oftentimes from day one, you know, that goes through the franchisor's training and, and one of the nice things that franchising does lend itself to is, you know, if you do have someone running the business for you, you know, you're going to provide some level of oversight, but you also have that franchisor and their team providing oversight as well. So the, you know, your guy's in business essentially for himself, but not by himself. You know, it's, it's a nice kind of model. 
Um, yeah, but it's really interesting, Victor, when you look out there, you know, the different industries, I kind of joke that non-sexy is the new sexy when it comes to opportunities. You know, people want, I mentioned the dumpsters, you know, we've done three deals in the gutters industry recently. And, you know, one of these guys was a Wall Street attorney outside of Boston, no background in the gutter space, but he loved the numbers behind it, loved the opportunity. And so, you know, it's things like insulation or the driveways that we're involved in, all these niches within home and property services are wildly popular. It's, it's the serve pro type models, you know, essential services, you know, and then health and wellness, you know, I'd say health, wellness, fitness, and some of the fitness concepts are tripping over each other, but some are catering to, you know, the aging population or to certain segments and have a reason for being, um, but health and wellness is a huge industry um, with a lot of participants. Um, kids, pets, aging population, anything that, you know, automotive is still very big. All these areas that people are willing to spend money on and aren't going away, aren't going out of style, aren't trendy, but very understandable type businesses. And you also mentioned that real estate investors can also be a great uh, fit for franchise. You want to talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. Over half of our clients have real estate investments. I mean, myself included, uh, you know, and that could be, you know, renting out, you know, single family homes or, you know, duplexes or triplexes. I mean, we, in some cases, commercial, but no, there's a lot of synergies, I think, in the mindset of creating these semi-passive revenue streams. And so, you know, there are only so many good real estate deals to be had out there. So we have quite a few real estate investors coming to us saying, hey, how can I kind of diversify my portfolio? I'd like to get into a more operational business. In some cases, it's totally diversified. In some cases, it complements it. I mean, we had we had a real estate broker the other day purchase a property management franchise from us. Um, we, we've had plenty of real estate uh, folks say, hey, we're already paying to have these types of services provided. Why don't we just provide them ourselves and then provide them all of our neighbors as well, essentially. So I uh, know lots of synergies with the real estate arena. Oh, that, that is really awesome stuff. Now, there, as you mentioned, there's a lot of different areas, home improvement, health and wellness, the aging population, real estate, this there's a lot of different things going on. So a client comes up to a potential client. They say, you know, I want to do a franchise. And again, I get, I get a lot of base is uh, how can they choose the right franchise? Is it based on what they're looking to do? Do they want to be more passive, more actively involved? Or is it based on their, on their financially? So, how, you know, how, how can they pick the right franchise? Because, you know, there are tons of franchises out there. There are, and there are new ones coming on board all the time. So there are roughly 4,000 franchise brands in the U.S. alone. About half of those are in food and lodging. We also stay out of the hotel sector. That's just a different animal. So you know, once you narrow down the markets, you're at roughly 2,000, let's call it. Well, if you do some Googling, go out to the website, you're going to see every brand putting their best foot forward. You're going to see their marketing messages. You're not really going to understand what's all going on behind the scenes. And as you know, I mean, they're not all created equal. So what we've done, we work with all the different development groups in the country. We work with all the emerging brands. And we vet them down to a group of about 500. So we've done a lot of the filtering already. Um, you know, and this is across industries. But the great thing about our model is it's entirely free to work with us. We never charge our clients a nickel. We're funded by the franchise brands on the back end. For them, it's a sales and marketing cost. None of it ever gets passed on to our clients. So it really allows us to be non-salesy and be very consultative, working with our clients, taking, through, taking them through what we've defined as a very streamlined process enabling them to find those right opportunities for consideration. So Victor, let's just say that, um, you know, Joe in Dallas comes to me and says, Hey, I'm interested in either, you know, buying a business, you know, getting into a franchise, you know, full-time or as a side investment. 
we would spend some time on the phone getting to know Joe, um, understanding his financial kind of goals, as well as, you know, what, what he's able to invest. We'll talk about SBA loans, talk about retirement funds, like different ways you can fund a, an investment. We'll then, um, you know, compare our notes on what role does he want to have in the business? Where are his areas of interest? What does he see in the market as opportunities? We take all these data points. We bash them against uh, what we see resonating with others with Joe's background all across the country because we see all the deal flow that's happening. We know which brands people are wanting to be a part of, which ones have the momentum. And so we take all that into consideration. We look at those opportunities that are available in Dallas, if that's his target market. We then get on a call with Joe and we'll do a Zoom call, share our screen, walk through, you know, typically around 10 opportunities. You know, and we talk about them from a 30,000 foot level. Joe narrows it down to maybe the three of most interest. We make introductions to the franchise brands. And then he goes through the franchise orders process of really understanding the financials and the the, the marketing and the operations, he gets to talk to other owners within the franchise system called validation is, is what we term it. He walks through the franchise disclosure document with the franchise or ultimately culminating what's called a discovery day or confirmation day where you know, he spends a day, day and a half on site with the franchise or in their team, really going deep, understanding the business inside and out, making sure it's a good partnership both ways. Um, we're serving as a sounding board throughout the process, holding our client's hand, um, and we've just found time and again, you know, your thinking is going to evolve as you go through the process. You're going to start to exercise that muscle of analyzing businesses, option A versus option B. What are the pros and cons? How, do, how much weight do you put into those? And it can be an iterative process. You know, Joe may choose to drop a brand or two along the way, and then we bring some others back in for consideration. And ultimately, the success rate, I mean, I've only had one client in all my years of doing this that it hasn't worked out for. And there were some reasons behind why it didn't. He, he kind of threw in the towel a little bit early, but you know, understandably in his case, he lived three hours outside of his market and there was just some difficulties around it. But um, by and large, our clients come back by additional locations and we cheer them on along the way. That's pretty awesome. So in all the years you've been doing this, only one client did not have a uh, good experience, but there were extenuating circumstances and he gave up because it was three hours away. But everyone else has really had a good experience and They've often come back and uh, got more franchises there. And, uh, and I like, and I'm glad uh, you mentioned, I think we should be, be aware if I understood correctly. Do your clients not pay because you guys get paid on the back end by the franchises. So you're working for the best benefit of the clients. You go over to, you know, look over their needs, what they want, whether, you know, that guy in Dallas or whatever area they're looking at. And then you just go over, you maybe do a Zoom call, you go over the different franchises, go you know, revenues, cash flows, all that stuff. And then you discuss it with them, you make a recommendation, then they make the final choice. And then if they choose that, you get paid on the back end by them. So you guys don't have to be salesy. So anyone approaching you guys doesn't have to worry about, oh man, it's John going to try to close because you're not. You're working to serve their best interest. You want to, you want what's best for them because you're going to get paid by the other company. So, um, and, and basically, so from what I understand, there are 4,000 franchises about half of them are food franchises. So you work with the other half. So you guys focus on the 2,000 that are non-food that are all over the country. And then based on your discussion with the prospect, then you look to see, you know, what they want that you can you know, figure out which franchise are best for them. And you could target them. Then you give them like five or 10. And you guys have a big discussion. And you, you explain how each of them works. Then they make the final decision. Is that correct? You got it. That, that's awesome. So no, I think that's very important. And uh, so... So remember, guys, uh, they're not going to they're there to help because they're going to get paid on the back end. Now, let's talk a little bit about the cost of franchise, because I think a lot of people I know for many years, I always thought about McDonald's. I thought everything was like a million dollars, but 
there are, there are a lot of franchises that are a lot cheaper. So you might giving a range of suit the various costs, like for, you know, franchise can start as low as this and they can go as high as that. So people can have, a, you know, have an idea of what's expected. They decide to go to franchising. Yeah, it, no, that's a really good question, Victor. So d- from a framework standpoint, I'd say 75% of the deals that we help our clients do fall between 125,000 and 300,000 from an all-in investment standpoint. That includes working capital, franchise fee, um, you know, any startup cost, equipment, vehicles, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and then there's 25% that would be north of that or south of that. You know, I'd say the lowest cost ones we have are probably 70,000. We've got some B2B services uh, that would fit that bill, including a business coaching franchise. Um, there's one that's a cost analyst B2B franchise, uh, right around 70,000. But by and large, I'd say, you know, 125 plus. And, you know, our clients funded in different ways. You know, I'd say about a third of our clients use uh, self-funded, you know, cash, Another third use SBA loans. You know, those are very common. We've got a great partner that helps our clients with those. And then another third would use one of two things. It would be either um, retirement funds. You know, you can self-direct your IRA or 401k through what's called a ROBS program where you don't have the tax implications or a portfolio loan. If you have assets in a brokerage account that's non-retirement, you can actually borrow against those up to 50 or 60% at a really low interest rate. I mean, something I personally do because it creates an arbitrage opportunity uh, for me personally, but um, so that would be another avenue. Um, and then from a financial return standpoint, uh, so every franchise system has what's called an FDD or franchise disclosure document. You know, they have to cross their T's, dot their I's, almost like a public company. You know, they're regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. You've really got to be, you know, have audited financials. And so, you know, in the item 19, they show what are their average franchisees doing across the system. So you really get an eyes wide open view stepping in. And uh, I mean, I, I mentioned the gutter business. I'll just use that as an example. That's one that every year franchise systems come up with a new FDD that, with the latest numbers. Last year, their average revenue across their franchisees was one or in their FDD last year was 1.2 million. This year, it's 1.7 million. So nice increase, and this is across dozens and dozens of owners. So 1.7 million with a 30% bottom line EBITDA margin. So EBITDA, it's essentially your bottom line, what you're putting in your pocket if you're running the business. Obviously, if you're paying a general manager to run the business, you know, you're gonna have to pay out of that, you know, but so it'll come down some, but still, let's take a conservative approach to it. You're gonna be making your four or 500,000 a year <clears throat> conservatively once you're up and running. That's pretty good. Now from one point two million to one point seven, you know, almost five hundred thousand, and that's a uh, that's a nice return. So, uh, yeah. and I'll give an example of another sure. industry, Victor. This might be helpful to just another point of reference. So, there's an oil change, uh, one that we've done a bunch of deals with recently. I think ten locations. It's um, it's one that uses prefabricated buildings backed by an investor group in unused parking spaces of a retailer shopping center. So super convenient, great street visibility, all of that. You're able to get in because you're leasing these buildings versus having to do the build out yourself. You're able to get in for as low as 150, including working capital. So you're all in investment, 150 or below. And they're averaging about 335 in revenue per location uh, with about 130 dropped in the bottom line. So the strategy there would probably be to open up two or three of these or more over time. We actually had one client that did 10 of them recently. Um, but, you know, that's a very semi-absentee type model where you're not super involved in the day-to-day business in most cases. Yeah, so it looks like there's a lot of different ways to succeed in franchising. You can be very involved. You can be passively involved. 
Um, you can make some good returns here. And you don't have to put up all the money. Like you said, so a third put up the money, a third USBA loans, retirement funds, Rob loans, a whole bunch of different ways to, to fund it. And it's nowhere near as expensive as some of the top, the really expensive franchises. So uh, people can definitely uh, fund it. Now, what would you say, uh, really, people want to be successful in, in franchising is, is it basically they just need to be cultural? Do they need to be teachable? Should you just follow the system? Is there anything else you recommend they do to be successful in, in, in when they get involved in franchising? You know, when I was at Shelf Genie and we'd have people go through our process, looking at the franchise, they'd say, wait a minute, you're making our phones ring with your marketing. You're answering the phones. You know, you're doing this, you're doing that. What do we do day in, day out? And my answer inevitably what beyond follow the system was also, you know, your ability to work with people will be your biggest determinant of how successful you are. And what I mean by that is really two things. One, getting involved in your local community, whether that be sponsoring the Little League baseball team or the, you know, getting involved in the Chamber of Commerce, you know, you know those things I mentioned earlier. You know, the grassroots effort, you know, that, that certainly goes a long way. Um, you know, you don't have to do it day in, day out, but having some component of that. And then secondly, you know, be able to attract and, and hire good talent and, uh, you know, coaching them, incentivizing them, making tough calls when needed. I'd say that's probably your biggest determinant of success is your ability to work with people, both externally as well as internally, because um, you can have the system right, but you still have to have a people component to it. No, I totally agree. The people component is very important. You got to work with people. You have to attract the good talent, the right talent. You need to, you know, be involved in the community, the grassroots and, you really need to serve people and customer service is of course also very important. And so, as you mentioned, you have to make the tough calls. So man, this has been some really good stuff today, John. I thank you for being on the show. And it's been a real pleasure having you on sharing all your knowledge about franchising. And before I let you go, if people want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, okay. Victor, I'd say come out to our website, frambridgeconsulting.com. That's F-R-A-N. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. FreeAmbridgeConsulting.com is a first step. Sign up for our monthly newsletter. We put out some great content, I believe. And, um, and for all of your listeners to sign up for our newsletter, we'll also make sure they get a copy of our book. Uh, it's called The Book on Non-Food Franchising. That comes out in the third quarter. Really excited about that. We're putting the finishing touches on it now. Uh, so be happy to give a copy to every one of your listeners. And then, you know, also connect with us on LinkedIn. Um, you know, it, it connect with me personally out there. You know, we post about five or six times a week and again, put out some good content. That, that we've gotten really good feedback on. And, you know, if this is an area that you'd like to learn a little bit more on and take a step and maybe start exploring, you know, I'd be happy to get on even a 10 or 15 minute call and, and discuss your situation and see if it makes sense to take next steps. All right. Great stuff, John. So we have FranBridgeConsulting.com. Sign up for the newsletter. You'll get a free copy of their book, uh, the book on non-food franchises. So you can also learn more about that as well from that book that's coming out. And also just get on a you know, 10, 15 minute call. John will explain everything to you. As, as you heard today, he gave a lot of great advice. He shared a lot of great knowledge about franchise. If you're interested in learning more, reach out to John. John, thank you so much for being on this show and have yourself a great day. Thanks so much, Victor. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.